It's the two sexy Puerto Rican studs, Ortiz Santana, repping that, that LAX 5150. My vision is 2020. You want our 2020 podcast? Y'all listening to that 20 by 20 podcast, the best of wrestling, the best of hip hop. Check it out. Boom. Ow! 2020 podcast, bro. What? 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 You're from the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where does where do they come from though? Nah, I don't. I, I really don't know exactly. Off the top of, uh, Puerto Rican though. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a strong chance you know Puerto Rican people are frisky. <laughs> What's up? Where, where? Well, good to meet you, brother. Good to, I mean, we've met. You know, we just haven't had a chance to do this. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah we've met at the job too. Excellent. All right, cool. You know, my memory's a little shot. I know it's I was right. super smack, but I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm. My eyes are. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I'm Believe me. I'm a little chinito. It's all right, brother. Right now, it's all good. It's all good. So I'm not sleeping on you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Well, well, this is the 20 by 20 podcast, and we are your host, Nathan McFly with Quarantine Poppy, Senegal with Joe. I'm out here, man. What's good? What's good? Chilla, chilla. And we got a special guest with us today. What up? State your name, baby. What's up, guys? Uh, my name is Joe Kim Morales. I'm the principal owner of Battle Club Pro. Hey. Um, and yeah, we've been. This was supposed to be done like a year ago, but you know, Easy. life happens. <laughs> nah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm here now, man, and I'm happy. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, man, thank you for being on, man. It's uh, truly a pleasure, man. Truly a pleasure. Yo, Nats, you kind of just went into it, bro. Like, you didn't brace us or nothing. He's just nah, like, nah, that's it. I want. It is. Yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> it. that's how it goes, baby. Nah, but yeah, it's, it's good to have you here. Um, we would have, this would have been like, a recap episode of what went down on July 4th. Yes, that would have been. That couldn't go down. It but will. It's good that we have you. Uh, we have you here for real, man. We want to talk about that too. For sure, for sure, totally, man. And uh, you know, life happens, like we said earlier. But that show will take place. I've already spoken with Jobber Tears. That's why I have the logo up because that was the last show we would have done. Yeah. Um, that show definitely will take place. It's just a matter of when. Like I said. Um, you know, their show is running in Jersey, but I, I got to bring it back to New York. That's home. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like after, after the garbage year that everyone in the world has had and the year I've had specifically, the first show must come back and it must be New York. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I know like, uh, the talent you had for the show is going to be crazy. I know you're going to, I know Tasha Steeles was supposed to be there, right? Tasha Stills is the Icons champ. She was supposed to main event yeah. against Big Swole. Could you imagine that now? TNA star against AEW star at a Battle Crazy. Club ring. Crazy. We're gonna get to that too, because a lot, a lot of people grace that, uh, you know, grace that ring of you guys, man. And um, before we get into everything, uh, you know, all the wrestling stuff and everything, um, you're a dean. You're yes. a dean at uh, at P uh, three seventy three in Brooklyn. I am. I am. I love. Uh, the crisis team is my life. I love it. Uh, not many people can say they the, the stuff they do outside their their nine to five or eight to three for us. Yeah, that they love. Like I love wrestling, and I, I actually I love being in the education system, building those 
those bonds, those connections. That's the that's the most pivotal part in education. A lot of people don't recognize that. Once you can connect with a kid, you can teach them. But if you're not connecting with them and engaging them, they're not going to want to learn anything from you. Right. Yeah, man. And especially with the you know the environment and the and the class and the class of kids that we deal with, you know, what right. I mean? like it, it, they they're big. They're big on first impressions and attitudes and everything like that. But uh, what what kind of what kind of like steered you into that direction as a you know as your as your career? You know, it's it's as wild as it sounds. The two things I I, I love the most in terms of profession, I I fell into both. Um, I was managing a Radio Shack in 2013, mm-hmm. um, and they were getting ready to launch flagship stores that were going to be like top of the line tech, and I was offered a store in Fifth Avenue. And seriously, I considered it, um, did the whole like hiring process where they did a group of managers or whatever the case was. And I was told like, you know, there's a good chance that if you're not going to be the manager at this store, you'll be the assistant manager and it's going to be salary based plus commission, like whatever they, they feed you all the, the stuff, the bells yeah. and whistles. And my sister just kind of told me, I don't know where, Hey, they're hiring at a charter school. Um, and they want you know, they are looking for men. They, you know, you want to go just take a, take a flyer on it. I was like, sure. So I went and like, they hired me on the spot and going through the process, they were like, yeah, this, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking I can do, you know, I can have the weekends to myself. I can have summers off if I want, or I can work for extra money. Um, I had just gotten out of a really, it was a bad relationship because things didn't work out. I wouldn't say the person was bad. It's just, you know, sometimes you don't work. Yeah. Um, so I had gotten out of that not too long beforehand. And I just thought about being able to connect and doing something more than just selling merchandise. Like in my mind, it came as like, Hey, there's this, this could be a calling. So I, I took it like literally the same, the same week they told me, you know, you're going to be at fifth Ave either, either as a manager or, general, or assistant manager. I told them, I'm like, Hey, I'm done. And they were like, what? And I'm like, this wow. is, this could be a dream job. And, and that's exactly what happened. I was at the charter school for three years. Um, I was there to, my nephew and niece went there. So I was there to graduate my niece from the eighth grade. And then my nephew was in sixth grade. I saw him all the way through middle school. I, you know, we graduated him and then the charter school closed down. And of the 70 some odd employees that worked in the charter school between two sites, I was the only employee that remained in the building uh, and 373 was like, you need a job and we want you specifically for the crisis team. And that's what happened. Um, And I've been at 373 ever since. And I love it because I was was just blessed, man. Like uh, I work with a couple of people who've got 20 years experience. I work with a really ambitious teacher who is incredible. She's well-spoken. She's from the South. Like the team I have around me is not, only all encompassing and they're always teaching me, but like we embrace each other. Yeah. And it is just, we're so tight knit. We always got each other's back. Um, and the population is totally different, but you still get, you still build those bonds, you know, like you still have those students that like, they'll call me specifically for, for whatever the reason might be. Yeah, and I just, I, I just, that. I love it. I love it because you know, like it's what I, it's what I knew growing up, growing up. Uh, I had, 
I had uh, two mentally disabled uncles and my net, my six year old nephew, who I say is my best friend is he's autistic. He's a diagnosed eight. So it's like, it's always been around and it's just like, it felt so natural. Um, and the, the hiring assistant principal who brought me from the charter school to uh, 373, he cited the fact that uh, one of their kids would always walk over to our side of the school and like try to steal our kids lunch. And he's like, you were, you were the only employee of all the people that worked there that wasn't scared to engage him and bring him over without freaking out or hurting him. Yeah. Like, that's why we wanted you. That's dope. I mean, I've known this guy since we were in junior high school. So back in junior high school, I spent a lot of time in the dean's office. <laughs> but there was this one dean from when I was in ninth grade. His name was uh, Iorio. Yeah. And I always, I will always remember him because a lot of times he would see the bullshit I would get into. And he would kind of like get at me about it, but he wouldn't. I wouldn't get in trouble, trouble. You know, they wouldn't like call my parents or make it a huge issue. Like he would kind of school me and I always like respected that about him. So, you know, like I know in that Dean role, like you can play that part where, where you have to relate to the kids and have you ever used wrestling like to relate to these kids? All the time. All the time. Um, all the time. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's three students slamming kids all over the place. That, no, 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 no. There's there's three students specifically that have have helped at shows um, because they like when I told them, hey, I run my own company. They were like, wait, what? And they, they thought I was, you know, lying. And I was like, show them pictures and videos. And they're like, oh, my God, these people are on TV. Like, what can we do to help? So, like, I was like, well, do your classwork, behave. And, and they did. And I'd I would allow them to help out with the show and they could get to watch the show for free. That's um cool. Awesome. But definitely what you said earlier, like, especially with the high school population, you, you have to be able to relate to kids because it goes from when you're in middle school, you're trying to steer the kid in a direction where they'll be a good student so that when they're in high school, they can get to college. But in high school, it's it's, you know, like comparing it to like the NBA, you could go pro or you could continue in school. So in, 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 in our population, what you want to do is try to help them become the best men and women possible. Yeah. So you might not necessarily steer them academically, but you do want to correct them as people because mm. you don't want them to go out into the world being ignorant or, or you know, not tolerant or, or not educated. You know, they need to know how to fend for themselves, especially for, you know, in the special education uh, population, because, you know, God forbid, like anyone can try to be taking advantage of our students, it would, it would suck. Um, and I feel like, you know, we've done really good jobs. Uh, you know, the goal is to get them prepared for life and get them to, you know, go out. And if they want to do college, we can do that. We have GD programs. If they want to get jobs, which we, we kind of steer towards mostly, yeah, you, you know, we prepare yeah. them. Like we have a mock CVS store. We have a mock Johnny Rockets. Uh, we do, we do really big Broadway type production plays like, it's it's great and it's it is fulfilling because you know you help these kids get to work sites and then you oh they got hired and it's like bam that's that's the whole point you know yeah exactly like when you see like i have one student from when i first started now he's he's supposedly so hopefully you know there's a graduation next year when it happens but he's already you know working at a trump pavilion i don't know if you ever heard of trump nice. pavilion yeah. So he's over there, and they're they're offering him a job as Great. a janitor. 
That's and he's going to be in the union and everything. I'm like, yo, look, awesome. like, you see what That's this awesome. And he was, he was like one of the, the wildouts, you know? So I, right. I, I was always there to calm him down and everything. You know, sometimes, you know, it didn't work that way. And, you know, he goes all over the place. Of course, I got, I got a, a fist here and there, a kick here and there. Oh, you know, man. It was part of the job. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Just to see how, how much he's progressed throughout the whole the whole time it was just it's just amazing to see and he's just so calm and cool right now man it's awesome to see that is that's great i i believe and 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 joe vines 22 year vet he's taught me this like you have to get to that point with the kids where you break them like you break that wall of them being hard asses yeah and they let out because we've all we're we all do it we don't recognize we all do it but we put such a guard up that we're never vulnerable and once you can get that kid to be vulnerable with you, they will, you know, they're just, they're going to walk in arms with you all the time. Yo, I need this done. Or can you do this? Hey, listen, this teacher's brand new. Help her with the students, help him. Like, and it works. And once you, that's, it all goes back to connection and the way you engage in first impressions. And exactly. I would never, I would never replace my day job with anything. I mean, you know, if, if I'm blessed and, you know, the hope is to be contracted somehow, <laughs> way, shape or form, or, you know that battle club gets so big that I can run my own shows in the in the in the tri-state, not even have to worry about being contracted by someone else. Just be that big, and maybe that takes over my life. But I would never replace what I do. Like I would find a way to continue to work in education, or just you know with this population or gen ed population, just just to keep having that because that's 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 uh, Tony Stark when he. Um, was it was it the first? It was Avengers: Age of Ultron, where he's like he's talking about the kid. The mom approached him, and she's like, yeah. her son died, and he was like, you know, you want to work. And he was trying to put some miles on his soul. Like that's what you do. Like when you help these kids out, you're doing work for your soul, so that when it's said and done, you don't feel empty. Like money doesn't go anywhere with you, but yeah. the relationships you build and and the legacy you build in terms of helping those kids be great, because then hopefully it they take what you taught them and teach forward. And as we go on, the hope is that everyone's better and better. That's true. That's right. And something that actually connects, you know, you working at a school with your company battle club. I see that sometimes you hold, you hold events, right? Right, right there. It was that the right parking there. Lot the school, right? Not, not the parking lot. There's a courtyard. So the courtyard, courtyard. is, okay. <laughs> is humongous and it's elevated. So like, if you go to the back of the building, yeah. You can't look into the courtyard. You got to go up some really de- steep steps. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's wide open, and it's it's kind of hidden. Like you know, the people who live across the street get a free show, but you get that ambiance of like the workers all love it because it's matted. So you don't even need mats because it's already bouncy. But you know, you put mats in there because it's New York State regulation. But they love it because it's freeing. You know, it's outdoors. The way the building circles the courtyard, it, it looks like you're wrestling in front of a castle. And then, like, oh. my favorite my favorite is when the, when the night hits and th- those shots, like, I mean, Brian Krieger, uh, uh, Jay Lee Photography, Second Gunny, like, they've gotten so many incredible shots of so many wrestlers. Peter McCarron, uh, McCannon, like, it's just, just the photography and then the, the videography and the ambiance and the way everything just kind of melts together. And it has that, like barbecue feel like it's a cookout let's go let's go watch some wrestling there's dope food dope. There's dope, you know and it's I just like yo i love that. it man i that's love it. i want to do that man yeah yeah i love it man 
That's awesome, man. And um, I know that you're real big with, you know, like like you were saying before, like equality. And I see you're you're like in the front line when it comes to this wrestling stuff with, you know, uh, the problems with social injustice and everything. And I see it with your company. Like I see how, you know, the diversity and the people that hold, hold your titles, like your main title is held by a man who's openly gay. A black, black man. Openly, yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. A <laughs> black openly gay wrestler, and you know, throwing that all out the window. Regardless, he's talented as fuck in the ring. Incredible, incredible, incredible. what he does in the ring. And my thing is this: you've seen uh, other promotions like AEW. We're like almost two years in with with AEW at the moment, and their big, I guess you could say, sales pitch was. Uh, being diverse, being different than the norm, the norm being, I guess you could say, WWE. Do you think they're actually doing what they said they were going to do or they're kind of like, you know, cutting it back? Yeah, cutting it back and and just playing it safe. So I think I made this, uh, I was on another podcast and I threw this out there. When did you start seeing kids really wear Nike? When Jordan jumped on, right? Like the Jordans came out, then Nike took it to another level. Right. So I think what AEW did was they went with what everybody knew. You knew Cody. You, you know, MJF was a star on the rise. Um, you know, whatever names they are. Uh, uh, Jericho. Jericho. You know, uh, yeah, Bullet Club, uh, the Elite. So it sucks, but for that, the fact of the matter, there isn't in terms of ethnicity and, and cultural, you know, there's not much of diversity there. But what they did was cement the fact that they're legit with those guys. And I feel now this year specifically, yeah. they have tuned up the diversity. Diamante was recently on TV. Big Swole has, you know, blown up. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Sonny Kiss killed it. Sonny Kiss was trending on Twitter. And if, you know, like uh, Darius Carter said, if you're just now finding out about Sonny Kiss, I'm sorry. I'm, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. Um, so they're just now tuning it up. Uh, it hasn't always been like that. And I think, I think it really started once Santana and Ortiz went over and showed, hey, we're not going to be a gimmicky comedy Puerto Rican tag team. They're as real as it gets. They're, they're the boroughs. They're encapsulated, you know what I'm saying? And once they showed that that was a serious thing, then it was slow in its progression. But I think you're really starting to do it now where you do see the diversity. Got you. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, you kind, you kind of do see the diversity because like you were just you were just saying about Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss being in a, in a major match against Cody Rhodes and given the time to show out. Right. But uh, I, I just feel with or, Ortiz and Santana – They've been scaling off of them a bit, like either that or you know, I just I just feel like they're not properly pushed, but maybe because their their tag division is so heavy though. Oh yeah, the tag division is heavy, but see, the other thing is, uh, you can only be the top performer in your division for so long, and you do have to scale it back. I mean, and this it's just a common practice in wrestling. Like Austin was a megastar, yeah. and then like when the invasion kind of hit 
they had him switch over and his his star kind of def- started not fade but it just it took a a, a second step, step. it took a step yeah, back and yeah right so because you want to showcase the other talent and 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 you know Santana Ortiz have always been about showing out and, and it's spreading the love I mean private party incredible you yeah. know uh, Penta and 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 Phoenix like so it's it's there it's stacked you know you can only be the top dog for for so much but I, I feel like, as wild as this sounds, with the Bucks being arguably, you know, the, the best tag team, arguably, I, I'm not saying that's my opinion, that's a lot of people's opinion, but it's like, when you watch a Santana and Ortiz match, you know you're going to be so entertained, you don't care if they win or lose. And AEW made it a point to be like, wins matter, losses yeah. matter. But, like, when they're on TV... You're just like I'm. Just gonna watch because I'm gonna. I'm gonna love whatever happens, whether win, lose, or draw. I'm gonna love whatever happens. But that's who they are, because like, they know they're so good, they can be the best. But let's showcase everyone else, and that's where you really get diversity. Like Cody, you know, say what you will about the way the championship looked. He, I think he's done a really good job. He showcased Sunny Kiss. Twitter went mad for Eddie Kingston last night. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! I and couldn't he believe has deserved it. And and the and the fact is, how many of us wrestling fans can relate? There's a ton of us that don't grow up privileged. We we fuck we've seen crackheads and drug deals and shootouts. Went home and Monday Night Raw or Nitro was on, and that was our peace. That was our love. So when he spoke, that touched your soul because yo, it's a Spanish kid who grew up in the hood. That's who I want to be, or that's who I want my son to be. That's who I want my niece to see. Like. And like, he looked like a regular dude. I mean, he, like, regular he, dude. He's built Absolutely. like yo. Fuck you he's up. Built like, like, yeah, yeah, he's built like Kevin Owens. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a regular dude with a stomach and ready to. But he does it, man. You know, he does like, it. He's a believable. He's yeah, so he, believable. He looks like my Dio Beto. Not for nothing. That's it. That's it. Dio, like yo, <laughs> you just want to shout Dio. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh man. But um, yeah. So uh, with Battle Club, how'd you get into Battle? How how'd you get into being the principal owner of Battle Club Pro? So um, in 2012, uh, there was a trend on Facebook where people were making groups. Like that's when I feel like groups were exploding. Um, so I made mine because what I noticed was everyone was complaining, complaining about wrestling. So I made a group, and I literally just wanted to gear it towards people being positive for wrestling um so i added my cousin and he added some friends that he went to high school with uh and then me and the or the founder of battle club all we ever did was argue i was i I will always be a a huge cm punk a huge huge cm punk guy like that's my dude you know what i'm saying that's my dude like (laughs) i got i got his stuff everywhere um we would argue cm punk and ryback (laughs) <laughs> you know, like he thought Ryback was the next guy. And I was like, there's no way Punk is too red hot. And it turns out we were both wrong. WWE didn't take the ball with Punk and run with it. And Ryback, we, we see what happened with Ryback. Ryback's Ryback. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Ryan Reeves does his thing. Um, but he, re- so he trained uh, to be a wrestler. It didn't work out. But he noticed that independent wrestling, like true independent wrestling, independent wrestling with no TV contracts, the production quality was low. And he was like, I want to change that. 
So he made it a point to really focus on that. And then he started filming for like, you know, companies like WrestlePro. Uh, he, he did some stuff for HOG. And again, always being a student, he, he watched and he was like, I can do this. And that's what he set forth to do. He, he created a brand, a Battle Club Pro. And he was like, I, I want to be a place where people get their start and then they go from there. And he hit me up one day. I'll never forget. He hit me up one day in April. And he's like, hey, I'm starting this up. First show's in October. I'd like for you to be on commentary. And in my head, I'm thinking he's fucking bullshitting me, you know, you know, but you know, you, you always say yes to an opportunity because if it works, it works. So I was like, sure. You know, that in my head, I'm like, he's never heard me speak. I don't understand how he wants me to do commentary, but whatever, I'll say yes. And then slowly there was, there were talent announcements, you know, there were like ticket sales and I'm like, this is, this is legit. So in August, uh, 2016, I was like, Hey, I don't just want to be on commentary. Like I want to do everything. I want, I want, I want to be your partner. And he, like I said, we didn't really know each other from a hole in all. We just, we were Facebook friends. So he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm down to give you an opportunity. Meet me on, what is it? Longwood in the Bronx. Yeah. He's like, meet me there. There's a block party. If you come hang, hand out flyers with me, like I'll see that you're legit. So I did. Drove out. No, I did I no, I drove out and I I uh I handed out flyers and the cops were like, Hey, you know, we get you're trying to sell tickets, but there's a block party, you can't really you can't be really really, you know, promoting and soliciting or whatever. So it came to a stop and then he was like, Hey, I need a third cameraman. I'm going to film a show in Brooklyn. I was like, I'm down. Fuck it, I'll do it. Uh and it kind of snowballed from there. I, I became his I was his hard cam operator. And then one of the guys dropped out, so I became ringside with him. Uh, and as time went where we did camera work for companies and I started doing commentary for companies, uh, he started giving me more control over Battle Club. Uh, I started with, you know, find talent, uh, make a match, make a couple matches. Hey, reach out, book them. You know what? Let me see what you can do in, in terms of negotiation. Here's your budget. And uh, in November of... In November of 2017, it was our two, it was our one year anniversary. He announced to the world, "He's like, hey, you know, Joe's my 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 partner. You know, we're part owners now." I was uh, I was shocked. I was proud. I was happy. Um, I um, you know I, I just I was filled with joy, and I was like, "Let's go, let's rock and roll." And we set out goals for 2018 that we accomplished: all women's show, a show in Connecticut, um, bringing the show back to the Bronx. Mm. Um, and in, uh, July of 2018, you know, I, I used to, it, it started in May of 2017 where I would go just have a little entrance and kind of adjust the crowd lightly. Um, but in, in July of 2018, he was like, no, 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 you don't, don't come out. I'm, I want to do this. Cause that's when the whole junior thing happened and he wanted it to be like a heartfelt cause we were in the Bronx and right before the show starts, he, <laughs> he leans over to me and whispers. I'm done. This is all yours after this. And I'm like, what? And he goes and he does his address, leaves me in the locker room. Like, the fuck did he just say? Did he just say he's quitting? Did he say it's mine? What just happened? Like, I was baffled. Uh, and then, yeah, so in, in October of 2018 was our was my first show as, as the principal owner. Uh, and then I created an ownership team of my closest friends from high school, uh, three guys I've known for 20 years, uh, Elijah Thomas, Ray Red, and Mike Sabs. 
and that's that's where it all started. That's that's you know a shorter version of the the, the long story where I transitioned from commentary to principal owner. This is Nathan McFly, the 20 by 20 podcast, and this episode was sponsored by Dream Match Wrestling. You're asking yourself, who's Dream Match Wrestling? What's Dream Match Wrestling? Let me tell you who Dream Match Wrestling is. He is the master designer, the hand behind the pen, who helped us bring to light our ideas on the Brian Pillman shirt, Shawn Michaels shirt, Finn Balor shirt that we got going right now. And he has many, many more designs. And if you want to see what he's doing with his Dream Match scenario line, this is what you got to do. Go www.dreammatchwrestling.shop. You want to get in touch with him individually? Go to his Instagram page, at Dream Match Wrestling. You got an idea for a logo, an idea for a shirt, an idea for a portrait. Whatever it may be, he brings the ideas to light, brings it in front of you. Because he is the master designer, the hand behind the pen. He is Dream Match Wrestling. Check it out. Now back to the pot. That's that's pretty dope, man. I mean, you were in there. You, it seems like you were there from the beginning, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I was there since day one. Um, but the wild thing was that, like, I've always – I kept an eye on the indies. But it wasn't – like, it didn't take over my life. But the moment that I knew it was real, the, like that August of 2016, I knew it was real. It's it's all I watched. Like, of course, you know, you keep up with WWE and, and Impact, TNA, whatever it was called. But like indie wrestling became it. And then like I made it a point to just just follow companies that that did business well. That was about showcasing talent that I didn't see or maybe the Northeast didn't see. That's why I've always loved working so closely with like Wrestlers Laboratory. Um, I'm a a big fan of companies that make it a point to showcase diversity. Um, Uncanny Attractions is a show that's a little late. They come a little later on in the story in terms of time, but like that's another company I love working with. Just companies that make it a point to be different because there's, there's 500 million, you know, white person owned, white person ran, you know, white person booked wrestling shows. I'm going to, I've always made it a point to showcase what it is I grew up knowing. And what I grew up knowing was that, you know, Pito might be a little funny, but he's that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pito don't hang out. Pito hang out with the girls, but he don't hang out with the girls to be with the girls. And that's fine. And that's acceptable. And that's what I, that's what I knew. Like, you know, the, the hood has such a bad rap if you're not from it. Yeah, but you come from it and you see different levels of love. You, you know, there's no denying you see different levels of hate, but the love you get, like I am, I'm never, ever, ever any more comfortable than I am standing in the middle of projects. Doesn't matter which one, but oh, that's home. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I feel you. And like, I that's what I want to showcase. You know what I'm saying? You know, my black brothers, my Latino brothers. You know, LGBT. Like, that's what I saw growing up. That's the tight-knit family that I had growing up. And those are the people that I've been proud to say I'm associated with. So that's what I want to put on my show. Oh, that's fire, B. You got something to say, Wood? I, I, I think I cut you off earlier. My bad. No, nah, you didn't cut me off. But, um, you know, in thinking, like, you know, so <clears throat> independent wrestling or what's, what's another word for it? Is it all just independent wrestling? Backyard I, wrestling? I mean, so here's, here's the thing. I think indie wrestling is any wrestling that's not, that doesn't have a major TV deal. So Impact 
technically isn't independent wrestling. ROH, you know, whatever your views on it, it's still it's still with Sinclair, so it's still a major company. I, independent wrestling to me is any wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, backyard wrestling, straight up wrestling, comedy wrestling that is from that comes from. It's like a mom and pop shop, you know what I'm saying? Like everyone might shop at Key Food in the hood, but Key Food's a thing. But right. you know, if you go down to Nelson's. That's the only Nelsons on the corner. You know what I'm saying? You get your chopped cheese, you get your Arizona. Shout out to Hokai. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's Nelson's store. I'm going to Nelson's. Yeah. Uh, Nelson's ain't got it, so I'm going to go up the block to Ock. You know what I'm saying? That's right. so, run from the family. So what I was going to ask you was what I, what I tend to notice in independent wrestling is it's normally just seems like some random matches put together. You know, like you got... A wrestler versus B wrestler, no storyline, nothing going on behind it. They're just some guys wrestling at a at an independent wrestling event. Where would you, or I feel like, is there a way in the independent scene to have like storylines how you have in like AEW and in WWE? Like, would you be able to pull something like that off in Battle Club Pro? Absolutely, and, and we have. Um, story time. <laughs> so the, the Connecticut show in, uh, of 20, 2018, um, Tasha Steeles helped Harlow O'Hara win a number one contendership. 2019, we had three events, and they fought each other all three times. Mm. It's just little. It's like you got to pick up. You got to stick with it. You got to realize it. Federated has consistently been working to make to to lay their stamp as the stable in Battle Club. They've they've been on every show in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Mr. Martinez has had his his, his his paw prints everywhere. It's it's minor. You just have to pay attention. The thing with Storylines in independent wrestling is if these guys get signed and you get stuck with nothing, it's nothing. So you can't do too many. But the idea is to do something that maintains itself so that if someone does leave, you can still run with it. So, for example, um, Anthony Bowens uh, was the first main event in Battle Club Pro history. Uh, he faced Tony Nese and he, he won. It was a, it was a killer match. Uh, and then he was the second main event against Drew McIntyre, and Drew McIntyre wins. It was for the WCPW Championship. Uh, but, like, then after that, he just had a series of excellent matches, but he was in the middle. But we did a championship tournament that took a while because we had to make sure the pieces fit. Ends up being our first champion. Now, Anthony Bowens is, you know, an activist uh, specifically for LGBT community. He's always pushing for equality for for women, for gay men, for homosexuals, for lesbians. His first two title defenses are against two of the top women wrestlers at the time. I'm not going to get into, like, political views about it, but, like, the match he had with Tessa Blanchard was a banger. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. And then he goes and he faces Jordan Grace. Uh, This is our franchise championship, but he goes and faces Jordan Grace because the franchise of your company shouldn't be specifically – you know, men, it could be whoever wants to take that throne. So it ends up being Jordan Grace because Jordan Grace is the only person in Battle Club Pro history to pin Darius Carter. 
Darius Carter doesn't lose at Battle Club. And if he does lose, it's in a multi-man match where he's not beaten. Yeah. So for her to do that, that's what propelled her. So it's there if you know the history. If it's not, of course, I'm on commentary and my commentary team will make you understand what's going on. Um, there are subtle, subtle storylines, but you can't do a full-blown-out drama series because, like, if Bowens gets signed tomorrow, then the championship's up in the air. But what the title means doesn't change. So he might hold the title, but what it means and what he's made it mean will still be there. So I could pick up and do another tournament, and that title will still mean what it what it is he fought for to for it to mean. Would you be able to add like let's say like promo videos and stuff on YouTube to tie everything together? And and you know what, that's something I haven't done, and that's something Carlos. You know, although he's he's bowed out, we've never stopped remaining in contact. He's told me that, you know, you kind of need content like that. But what I've gone and done is, like, I've asked talent. So, hey, if you want people to, you know, really watch your match and make it, you know, be uh, invested in it, you've got to do – you've got to give me some promo work. Perfect example is Joey Ace has never stopped talking. He's Shout only – <laughs> Right. <laughs> Champagne Poppy. That Champagne started Poppy. in Battle Club. Um, <laughs> he's never stopped talking. He had a match with Trevor Eon. He came up short. He has not shut his mouth. Why? Because he doesn't care about that match with Trevor Eon. What he did in October of 2018 by messing with his wife and giving him, hitting him with that beautiful DDT was just to get his foot in the door because his only goal is to be the franchise champion. Yeah. So you get invested in watching Joey Ace at Battle Club because he doesn't shut up. And that's how I actually came across him because, you know, I was just – I, every t- I always go through YouTube just to see in- independent stuff, see who's coming up, it, specifically in New York. I look I look for guys out here in New York because I feel like they're all over the place outside yeah. of New York. So I come across him, and it was like every day, every other day, he was just putting out a promo about this dude, promo about this dude. Then he'll have a match, and then he was like the longest-reigning ECWA champion and everything. And I'm just like, yo, who? I was like, I got to have him. We had him on the show. He, he's just so cool and chill to talk to and i feel like he's so talented not only in the mic but in the ring as well he's very he's very smooth within the ring i can't wait to see him get his shot as well but uh yeah man him and then we also we also had episode with uh slice boogie i don't know if you heard him he's he he's from queens but a lot of his stuff it has to do with in california he's uh, uh santino brothers i think they're called yeah 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 the the promotion out there. He's another SoCal. one. SoCal yeah. wrestling. Yeah. He's another one. Like, he, his, just everything about him screams New York. Like, he, I, I think he had a match with uh, Nick Gage not too long ago, and he was supposed to have a match with Brian Cage, but I think Cage got injured. But it's just everything. He's like, yo, I'm going to fuck you up. Dead ass. Like, you hear that? You're like, yeah. John Stark's jersey. <laughs> Matt Hat. And it's just Henny. The, yeah, the Henny bottle. Everything is just that that bridge right there to, to like make make the fans want to feel something. And I and I totally agree with what you said. Like in the Indies, if you're not following it, you're probably a little lost. But the story is there. It's just not brought to you as like right. You know, it's, there's not a million dollar company pushing the angles. Exactly. But that's why that's why wrestlers have to cut these promos that make you want to be invested. Yeah, Joey Joey Ace walking down Queens Boulevard screaming to Bowens, "Give me what the fuck I want!" Yeah, 
you fighting kids, you're fighting chicks. I'm a grown ass man. Like that shit just like <laughs> yeah. yo. And then like and then and then Bowen's like choosing not to address it because he has his eyes on the prize. So when he talks, when he he's had his promos uh, to, with Tessa. Tessa was heartfelt. Like we were friends nine years ago when we started in this business. You blew up and I got left behind. I'm gonna show the world. It doesn't matter what gender you are. I'm the five to a player, and you're like, oh, I, I have to watch this match because yeah. he's talking to arguably the best women wrestler on the planet right now, at least the one that's not on a major contract with WWE. So it's like it's there, you know. Um, and you know, obviously the world is on hiatus, so I haven't been pumping out the, the the content. But when I get these promos, I push, I push, I push because you want people to get invested. You know, one of my favorite promos, even though the show didn't happen for WCW two, was. Savannah Evans versus Lainey Luck. She, she, Savannah Evans is a six foot tall Amazon. All she did was look over her shoulder. She said, I won't need any luck for this. Stone cold. You're like, oh shit, she's facing Lainey Luck. We're going to have the South versus the Midwest in New York. That's fucking dope. And it's like, just it's there. And when I have access to it, I pump it out to you guys as much as I can. Um, but to consistently make like storylines with this. 15 minute promos like that's not it's not going to work on the indies yeah. it's not because people the reason they're invested because they want to see the wrestling so like everything building up to the wrestling is where you get invested okay and cool okay just staying on topic real quick but so when you see the bigger promotions the perfect you know pro wrestling as, as they would say with their story do you feel like that's missing from the show itself uh from like independent no 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 not independent oh, from theirs yeah from theirs oh. You know, because they have to play up to a larger audience, I understand why they have like the cinematic type storylines where there's talking for 15 minutes because you got to try to engage everybody. Yeah. You know, the wrestling purist is going to most likely want to watch the match simply because the contrast of styles or the similarity of styles. But like the, the talking is what gets the fringe fan interested that's why everyone goes to back go back to the attitude era whether it's wcw ecw wwf the talking is what brought the fringe fan in and that's why wrestling blew up because you had those people who were on the cusp like yeah maybe i'll watch raw tonight it's like i have to watch raw because i need to watch stone cold tell his boss to kiss his ass yeah i have to watch i have to watch nitro because i want to see kevin nash wear his tupac bandana and talk about where the big boys play whatever the case may be yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the talking worked to bring that fringe fan in. So that's why they keep doing it, because you always, you know, you, you try to get that ignition to start over. You try to get ignite that fire again. And sometimes it hits, and sometimes it doesn't. Like, you know, Punk, the, it wasn't too long ago. That was the nine-year anniversary. That hit. That brought fringe fans back to wrestling. Uh, the, uh, the streak being broken, like, the way Heyman ran, ran with that afterwards, that brought those fringe fans back. Like, what, Taker lost out of Mania? So, like, it's there. And that's why – that's the purpose it serves. Um, do I think – I think sometimes they go overboard with it because maybe they not underestimate what their talent can do, but it's like there's only so much I want to hear what, like, Rey Mysterio says because I know what he can do in the ring. Yeah. Like, I, I want to hear him, but – for him to have a 15-minute dialogue about his son doesn't seem to make as much sense as possible. So you want him to be the underdog, but when you talk too much, you kind of take away that underdog role. 
because an underdog is an underdog because people don't believe that they could be successful. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Where like Heyman can talk for days because Brock's never the underdog. <laughs> Did God. you feel Rey Mysterio really lost his eye? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Whoever gave him that gimmick Pokeball to play, to play with, I was, I was like, come on, man. It could have been, it could have been done better. It could have been, but you know, like that's the creative, that's the creative, you know, uh, stance I have. Like you could have did something that made it, you didn't have to have him have a fake eye pop out. It didn't make sense. You know, you don't necessarily, your eye doesn't have to come out for you to lose it. Like they could have did a blood packet. They could have, you know, had some kind of like coagulated corn. So they could have did something to make it look like his eye is so damaged that he'd have to lose it. Yeah. The, the, the gimmick eyeball kind of just threw everything for a loop. But it worked because TMZ covered it. So, yeah. like, so like it works again. And then that's what they're trying to do with these over-the-top things. They want to get people who might not necessarily be paying attention to come and watch. Do you think there was some kids that believed oh, yeah. Some it? kids were like, what the hell is going on? Of course. And, yeah. and that keeps them invested. Like, think about it. Like, we're still invested in wrestling because we really thought Stone Cold, the employee, was kicking the shit out of his boss. You know what I'm saying? What was the last? What was the last situation you believed? The last situation I believed. Um, I don't know if I believed it, but it was one of my favorites. Is when the wall threw David Flair off the top of one of the arenas. Mm. I love that. <laughs> I love that. You know, he should literally just choke slam somebody off a building. Um, I want to say the last thing I legit believed was was probably. Uh, DX invaded in WCW. Like, I really thought they were going to try to get yeah. in on the TV. Like, oh, this is dope. This is happening. Uh, it didn't. But I think that was the, the last thing I really believed because they were there. It actually did happen, but they just didn't get in. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% thought that Jake the Snake Roberts' eye was messed up when the model hit him with the essence. <laughs> I really was like, yo, that was great. That was one. The other is when uh, Earthquake sat on Damien. And he bled out the mouth. With I really man. believed when he sat on the on the sack. When he oh, went, oh, 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 and he killed the snake. Yes, the snake. yes, 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 yes. I really, really good. believed that he sat on the snake. What What about when uh, when Warrior threw up? Oh, it was, <laughs> was like, he's got superpowers. Holy shit. <laughs> but, you know, there's like, there's so many, like, Storylines like even um with uh Macho Man and the snake biting him, like nobody knew that the snake was defanged or not. You seen the blood and you're like, oh right. my god, yo, Macho Man's gonna die. Oh did no! You, did you hear Jake talk about that match? Yeah, and that angle specifically. Yeah, what did he say? I made it a point to piss Damien off. I'm smacking it around. Yeah, I'm like, I love this dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what That's he said. a good impression. <laughs> um, Macho Man told him, he's like, yeah, if that if that snake was defanged and doesn't have any venom, let it bite you first. So he had to let the snake bite him first to let him mm. see that, you know, there's no venom there. But us as kids, like, this, this is, you know, this comes back to this. Uh, like, are kids that gullible still watching wrestling? Um, see, not, so, not, what do they call them? Again, smart, I'm sorry. Right? Smart. Well, yeah, yeah, smart fans. See, I think now we're talking about something totally different that yeah. does come into wrestling. I think society as a norm now just kind of has kids grow up 
a lot quicker than they did when, when we were young. When we were seven, eight, nine years old, we played with toys, with Play-Doh, wrestling figures. We were out playing ball on a bike. Nowadays, they're on iPads. And yep. it's not all of them. They're still kids. You know, I'll drive in the hood and I'll see kids playing ball, kids playing in the jungle gym. It's just not anywhere near as much. You know, everyone had those those group of friends where, like, 10.30 on a Saturday, you knew you were going to play ball with, with, with Mark and Steven or whatever the case may be. All day. But, right, all day. It's all day. And you knew once that, once that street light came on, oh, I got 15 minutes to get my ass home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That doesn't really happen now. Um, people, technology has made us a lot more comfortable with staying home, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a lot that you don't learn being home that you could learn out on the street. And we see it far too often where, you know, the internet gives you this idea of what you should be, and then you don't realize you're not actually that, so you go and try to play it up. And people will be like, oh, I'm going to eat you alive because you ain't about that. Man. You know what I'm saying? You don't get street smart staying home. Yeah. Uh, and I feel that that's where things are a lot different. So we might have stayed kids longer, but we also grew up with street smarts, where now I think society makes it so that kids grow up a lot quicker, but they're not so prone to know what it is to be wise when you're out on the block. Right. But I appreciate um, I appreciate the fact that Rey Mysterio actually took it that far. Yes, to it just was great. Try to sell Total it. effort. You know, a guy who's been wrestling for thirty years, like he's still, I'm gonna give it my all because I wanted to sell, and that's that's what makes people like that great. It's always those little things like that extra effort. And then that's why I'm like, I hold Bray Wyatt to such value right now. Because he's all about the storytelling. He's all about, you know, blurring that line, wondering if it's true or, or not or whatever it may be. With the Swamp Fight, people hear Swamp Fight, they're like, ah, this is hokey as shit. But if you actually really saw it, it was just telling a story. Same thing he did with Cena. And he wasn't hurt. You know, him being Bray Wyatt, that cult leader again, wasn't hurt. Before... That that Bray Wyatt character was getting dragged through the mud, losing all these all these high profile matches. And right now, there was no he didn't lose, Braun didn't lose, but Braun got to tell a story. Something that he can't do on his own. And I, I feel like with certain certain wrestlers now, all promotions, that is not only in WWE, but like even AEW as well, they're not developing a character. They're not developing into somebody that could have that connection with the people at home. And right now, I feel like that's the most important thing just because there's nobody in the stands. Yeah, it's probably your boy from, from the PC in the stands and then your, your other boy that you share a locker room there, but the fans are not there. You got to try even harder to connect to them because they're looking at you through a screen. They could just change the channel and be like, oh, this guy's, this guy's garbage. Right. Um Yes, and that's, like, Bray, everyone's had this conversation amongst their friends where, like, you know, even though you're not there, you know, like, Vince is telling creative, like, these guys got to step it up. They got to make they gotta make themselves more believable. Yeah. And Bray took it in a whole different direction. He was like, you want me to become something else? So here's this character that I'm not going to be when I'm myself. I'm only going to be when I'm hunting or in the ring wrestling. And it was outlandish. People were like, what? 
and then it came to life and they were like, oh. So what he did, like he he literally he portrayed like he was he was Mick Foley ninety percent of the time, <laughs> and then when shit was going down, he turned to mankind. Yeah. But he did it in front of you, and that was the slight difference, and that's what drew you in because he could storytell as Mick Foley, and if you didn't want to believe him, it's it's like you know when you're young, you're like oh you don't believe me, wait till wait till it's it's midnight and the cuckoo comes, and then the fucking cuckoo knocks. And you're like, oh shit, mom, help, grandma, grandma, well, I will, I help. And that's what he did. He did it in a production value, uh, with production value in real life. And you're right. Now that there's not fans in the stands, you have to be able to connect on that different level. And it doesn't seem like too many people are are taking that character and jumping up. Like I, you know, Luchasaurus. I think he, I I'm not sure if he's back yet. Yeah, full he is. time. He's back full time. Yeah. So, like, he was getting there. Like, people were like, he was really playing up the dinosaur thing. Um, then he got hurt, and it, it kind of went down. But, like, you know, to play up that character, it takes a different mindset. It takes different creativity that so few people have. And it's like, the thing is that some people don't even realize they have it until they're, they're, they're put in that position to have it. Perfect example is The Undertaker. Undertaker was a biker. That's who he was. He played ball. He was a biker. He, was, he loved boxing. So he was just being himself, and it didn't connect. Then McMahon stamps him with The Undertaker, and he, he, he goes and runs with it and makes it believable because this creativity has come out of him that he didn't know he had until the opportunity came. Yeah. So especially right now, like because there's no fans in the stand, they should be playing with characters more. They should be trying to tweak things so that when, these, you know, when, when it's safe and people are there, they're invested, like you said, like grab me through my TV, make me want to watch this. And I think the wrestling lately has been incredible, but there is some some characters lacking other than like Bray. Uh, Orange Cassidy is another great character. Oh, amazing. Great character. Um, but that, yeah, that true character thing doesn't seem to be out there as much, you know, specifically in, in, in American wrestling. Um, <laughs> the funniest thing I've seen lately was like, Oh, you guys are surprised that something named evil did something evil? Like, so it's it's more subtle in Japan, but when it happens, it hits. It hits you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, it's it's definitely not on American television. I don't think I don't think there's enough uh, playing up characters. It's true. It's like um, I feel like Ricochet. Somebody needs to hit him with like a personality bomb, and do because that dude has some crazy talent. Um, I really like. I've been saying this for a while, and I, I really hope it happens. Like, I feel like that dude is like the next big superstar out of WWE. To me, I feel like if you hit him, if you gave him like a rock type persona, where you allow him to just be cocky and arrogant, give him a nice Versace shirt, and come <laughs> out there and just pop his shit and let go of this like nice in between guy. Like, I'm sort of hot, I'm sort of cold. Like, he's just a lukewarm kind of guy. Like, I feel like he needs way more charisma and way more just, like, personality, and he would just be a star, like, hands down. Uh, definitely the in-ring talent is there. He's, he's got a phenomenal look. Um, it takes a special kind of asshole to be an ass, a successful asshole on TV. Like, you got, you know, you got to be quick-witted and sarcastic. Um, I don't know if being an asshole could take him there, but you're right about he has to get away from kind of hot, kind of cold. Like, 
you know, if you're in the middle of things, if, you know, you don't stand for anything specifically, like how successful can you be? Like tweeners work because they can go far right or far left. And the reason they're tweeners is because you don't know which one you're getting. But choosing to be in the middle and stay in the middle, like it does seem like it's hindering him a bit. Be- I mean, a lot because that talent is incredible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and it's just little things. Like, could the asshole thing work? Like, you know, you take it back. If the roles were reversed and Velveteen Dream was a face popping shit and he did the front flip, instead of staring him down, he did the front flip and walked by him like he was nothing to be like an asshole. Could that have propelled him further? Could that have been a, a character-defining moment? You know, I, I think you're totally right. He, he's got the talent to be major. But I, I think, I said this on the job of Sears not too, uh, like last week or maybe the week before. I think right now, you have to strap a rocket ship to Keith Lee no. and just go. Like, there, I mean, aside, just, just, just getting away from everything in terms of civil unrest, like, you have a man, 6'3", 6'4", you know, over 300 pounds, moves better than anybody. He can outpower you. He can, you know, he's ha- he has some, some basis in technical wrestling. He's agile as a motherfucker, but he's so different. Yes. It is different to see an animal like that. That's why Brock was so incredible, because it was different. That's why Austin was so incredible, because it was different. You know what I'm saying? These aren't Hulk Hogan it's different. And I think right now, like if anyone needs all the momentum in the world, it's, it's Keith Lee, like have a bomb ass run with the NXT title as NXT champion, win the Royal rumble decide you get, you're going to, you, 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 if you want, you go title for title NXT versus whoever, or you want them both. Like it just has to be strapped to Keith Lee right now. And maybe it does work uh, where you turn Ricochet into an asshole and he can cause Keith Lee maybe the rumble or maybe the, the match that he decides that he wants to have at WrestleMania, and you can go from there. I mean, Keith Lee had great matches with uh, with smaller guys, especially a guy like Leo Rush. He had in, in the Indies, he had a phenomenal match with, with Leo Rush. So him him with Ricochet could only be money money, <laughs> but I think the per- the perfect person. To turn um, Ricochet to that asshole is MVP. Yes, and then and there's a lot of teasing of, you know, I'm never a fan of rehashing things, but yeah. you can do things in likeness. So, like, I think Evolution worked because it was in likeness of Four Horsemen, but it wasn't the Four Horsemen. It was, so it was maybe a different vibe there. Right, so MVP can do something in the likeness of the nation, but it, could be, it has to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I mean, to take Ricochet under his wing would be great. It would be great. Uh, and you could do – MVP is the perfect kind of guy. Like, if you go back to, to Flair, in, you know, in the 80s, he's the champion. He, he'll he lose the match by DQ and then go have a backstage interview. He's like, did you see me win that match? He yeah. lost. <laughs> Who's still the champ? Who's still the ch- – you're still the champ. So I won. So, like, MVP can do that, and that would help propel – Ricochet, and the wonderful thing about turning someone so far uh, uh, heel so fast and and making them legit, like so far gone as a heel, is when they turn face, the crowd goes bonkers. Yeah, goes bananas, bananas. And going back to what you said about Keith Lee, like I feel like 
a lot of people say, oh, it's because of, you know, the time we're living in now. This is why he's champion and all this other shit. I just think that's basically pure bullshit because I know right now, especially in WWE, there's a lot of people of color that are champion right now. But more than 80% of those people that are holding belts held them before anything got crazy right now. Right. And I was, you know, I was talking to one of my boys uh, I've known for over 20 plus years. And we were talking about how WWE's had double champions that have been black. And I think people tend to forget about that. Like we were talking about D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown held the IC and European. Eurocontinental. <laughs> you know? And you had, uh, what was his name? Oh, we just saw, yeah, MVP. MVP held the tag team championship with, with uh, Matt, Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy yeah. while having the US belt. US championship, yep. And you had The Rock with Jericho as tag champions, and he had the yep. WWE belt. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, what, like, when is it right? When is it right to have a black champion? I feel like every time there is a black champion, oh, it's because of this, it's because of that. And I feel like they, they undersold everything Kofi did, and for as long as he was doing it, because of that. I mean, I mean so I was on um, True Heel Heat, and I said Kofi needs to be the Jackie Robinson. And it's not to discredit the the Rock as the WWF champion. It's not to discredit Booker T or Mark Henry as World Heavyweight Championship. What I, when I said that, I meant that that was the moment where you turn the page, where it, it should stop being so sporadic. Yeah. Like, uh, it, you know, full integration didn't happen until years after Robinson was in there. Yep. So, like, that's what I meant when I said that. And the God's honest truth is the, the best time to put the WWF championship on uh, on a black guy. Could, could have been any time through, throughout any of the ages. Butch Reed could have been champion. Uh, Bobo Brazil could have been champion. Bad News Brown could have been champion. Right. <laughs> you know, JYD could have been champion. Like, there was, oh, it was always there. Why it didn't happen or why it took so long to become, you know, more normal uh, baffles me. But, like, Kofi, I feel, set the precedent because, you know, Keith Lee's the NXT champion now. But, like, we can have, uh, we can have a time, uh, you know, it could be, now can be the time where Big E can have a run. Uh, 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 Bobby Lashley could have a run. Um, MVP can have like a good buy run. Keith Lee can come on over, and, and it won't be looked at as like what you're saying with people. You know, they don't want to say it to say it, but I'm gonna say it because I don't give a fuck. It's not a fucking affirmative action. These are the best fucking wrestlers in the world, and it's too. It's taken too goddamn long for people who look like them to have their due. So yeah. if you if people are saying oh it's only happening because of the political climate that's fine the fact of the matter is it's happening and it should continue to happen and you know whatever the case is if that if the political climate is driving it in that direction if it gets to a place of normalcy so that the next 20 30 40 50 years the fucking WWF championship doesn't look like the presidency where you got 43 white people one black person and one orange person like it should be a mix because that's what real life is. You don't go to work, you don't go hang out and only see one type of people. Diversity is a thing. It's all over. So that's that's how the company should be represented. It sucks that it takes being money driven 
or politicized, but we're getting it. And now the, the what the fans have to do is voice their, you know, voice their opinions and voice everything they feel inside so that it becomes normal. It's not ideal that it didn't come from a true place of caring, but if we take this opportunity to make it such in the future, it will be genuine. Keith Lee will be WWE champion because it's genuine, not political. Facts. Yeah, man, beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but um, over here at the 20 by 20, before we go, before we go, we usually put a song out, uh, you know, song that we've been feeling. Is there anything that you've been uh, been listening to lately? Um, you know, I'm I'm weird. I like I like old school music. Uh, I don't really associate with the newer stuff so much. Um, and God's honest truth is, I I'm in a profession both at my real job in pro wrestling where I need to be well spoken. I feel so I'm always listening. You know, you you always try to tie things together. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to listen. I listen to ESPN radio all day because <laughs> those are the best journalists at what they do. Yeah. So I learn, I learn vocabulary. I, I strengthen up my, my vernacular, whatever the case may be. I think the only thing that like I've listened to and it, it made me like, oh, that's dope. was uh, blinding lights because it feels like an 80s song. It feels like something my mom listened to. So it was like kind of that nostalgic feel. So, I mean, we could roll with that. Yeah, well, I guess I guess I'm gonna have to put you on to my boy Woodrow over here. You got some, you got some fire. <laughs> Give me shit. some fire, man. Give me yeah, some got, fire, I some, man. I got some, I got some enlightening shit. I got some shit that you may Give hit. To, you need to hit the Google. See For sure, man. I've got. I mean, I've got. I've got a, a couple of friends who who write and rhyme, and and one of them recently sent me some stuff that was dope. He asked me not to release it, but I'm. I heard this, and I was like, that's what rap should be. Yeah. Um. I'm game for anything, but I have to, it's gotta, it's gotta touch me here. You know, if I could bop my head to it, that's nice, but I'm not going to want to listen to it more than more. Like, like, you know, like we just said, blinding lights touched me here. Cause it felt like something my mom would listen to. Do you know what I'm saying? Where, where in New York you from? I'm Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Okay. Bed-Stuy, do or die. My right. whole life. Let's play some Biggie, man. Biggie works. Oh, Biggie works. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so I've been I've watched Hamilton like four hundred thousand times <laughs> since it was on Disney Plus. So if you throw on some ten crack commandments, that would be dope. Uh, yeah, my okay. girl was trying to my girl was trying to get me to watch Hamilton. It's dope. Like it's a history lesson, but the way they spit, you're like, oh shit! Like yo, you should give it a chance for real. I, I will. Yeah, she was telling me she was like, yo, it's, it's hip hop. You're gonna love it. I'm like, but it's Hamilton. All right, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. <laughs> Well, yo, Joe, thank you for, you know, chopping it up with us, giving us some time. This was great. It was long overdue, man. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. can't wait for the next uh, Battle Club Pro event. Is, uh, you know, anything you're looking forward to? Like, is it in the next couple of months? I, um, I need to know that if I do a show, there's there's no possibility that someone could pass from this COVID thing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't sit well with me. Um, I need to know that, you know, like I, I've been saying, the closer it gets to me, the worse it's going to be. So if it's, if it's, it's always going to be bad. If it's a fan for their first time and they get sick, it's going to kill me. But, you know, if it's someone that's been on the roster for the whole four years we've been out, it's going to, it's going to destroy me. If it's one of my brothers of 20 years on the ownership team, like 
it'll it'll flatten my life. Yeah. So I have to make sure it's going to be safe. What I am going to say is that when we do come back, we are going to break any any walls that might have been put up with the stigma of shitty New York indie wrestling because I've been working real close and and privately with people that I genuinely trust and I want to do the most badass show possible. I want to make it so that 500 people come and I have to turn people away at the door. Wow. Well, well keep us in mind, bro. If you got anything sure. going on, you know what I'm saying? You need anything that we can help you with, you know, definitely we're here. 100%, man. You already definitely. Know. Definitely yeah. supporting Latino. You know That's it. That's it. Hey, man, look, you know, there's, like I said, there's 500,000 white run, white promoter, white booked wrestling companies. Battle Club is owned by two pure Puerto Ricans, a black guy, a mixed Hispanic, and an Italian and a Persian. Like, we all over the map. The, the ownership team is so diverse. That's and and that's that's because that's what the show is. Yeah, have you ever heard of a uh, indie wrestler called Cha Cha Charlie? I have not. My you son put me on. He's Dominican. Uh huh. He pull up with the they they with the dancers, the merengue yeah. dancers, the, and the, all the that. Merengue, not bachata. Nah, but I don't nah, know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> Anthony Santos, right? Yes. Yeah. So he has this song called Baile de, El Baile de Perito, and that's okay. it. That's his, that's, his, that's his that's his music, and he just comes out. He just hey, comes out. <laughs> bro, just chilling, man. All right, all right, all right. Cha Cha Charlie, that's noted. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's cool with uh, Vince Steele. Okay, know. good. Vince yeah, Steele has yeah. been a big man who's been killing it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that definitely look him up. He he got some shit. He got some shit. For sure. But yeah, man. Thank you once again, my brother. Thank you, and uh, just be safe out there, man. You too, guys. You too. Right. Thank you so yeah, much. You know me well, Casper, when he would dwell, I spit the tip the Grammatron, I'm the rap phenomenon, the lyrical mind bender with the wave of the wand, study the Bible, Kabbalah, the Holy Quran, I don't know what you about, but this is shit that I'm on, I suffer the message, is the real Islam, say as long as you alive, you got the breath of the God, he can see what you can't see with the eyes of the fog, if David can say the lion for the singer, the rock, in this room, some of sheep, in the midst of the flock, and they kill Biggie Smalls and they murder Tupac, but I'ma bang on that devil until they lower my box, whether don't violate or you getting violated. 2020 album dated, Akashic Records, translating my tracks like Metronetsis. Y'all chase dough, I chase life, so it's whatever. Knowledge is freedom, they cooking the boys who stop you from breathing. They smiling, but God, the heathens, yo, who's speaking? It's a man in the mirror, just cry me a river, the song of dinner now. You ain't fucking with Sal, your man's still fat, got to smile. What goes up ain't always gotta come down Cause the mind stays lifted Gifted with the lyrics like John with the scripture I'm killing the liars The genesis, the genes of vices Science on the spirit, the inner guidance I pray to God hoping to host some blessings on consignment I trust the stars to study every relevant alignment It's like Mars, how it used to have the earth climbing That's a bar that I threw in with some perfect timing I'm just so omic that predates the asks in the minds I built the stone hitch and the stone hits up on Easter Island you might have seen me wildin' with a blunt in the monk, billin' on the shallin'. I'm with your shorty on her way to the public housing.